it's just so painful that that's the world that we live in. But the deepest wisdom that lies in each of our bodies is something that we dismiss as weird or woo-woo or strange. And we make jokes about it so that people don't judge us for it. Or we just flat out deny it and don't listen. Welcome to the New Shoe Podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Cornell. I invite you with love into this space to learn and grow with me. And for a brief moment of the day, come home to yourself. You may know Amisha Gadiali as the host of the incredible podcast, The Future is Beautiful. But today we switch seats and I have the great privilege of interviewing her about her book, Intuition. That word seems to be everywhere, but do we really know what it means and how to cultivate it? Amisha walks us through what it is and what it isn't, and how to develop a real relationship to our intuition that can serve us in our everyday lives. She and I share a belief that there is a deep wisdom inside each of us that is simply waiting to be discovered, that the answers lie inside all of us. This is one of the fundamental and founding premises of Nushu Group. If this is something you'd like to experience, we're currently offering a complimentary introductory Nushu group. You can find us on Instagram at Nushu and sign up through the link in bio. Welcome, Amisha. Thank you. It's such a joy and honor to be here with you, Vanessa. First, Amisha, I just want to welcome you and invite you to share with us your journey of writing this book, Intuition. I know that you wrote it during the pandemic in a treehouse, and I'm just fascinated by that. And just tell us a little bit about your process, where it came from, whether the book came out of you anew or had been in you for a long time. Hmm. Yeah, so I was asked to write this book on intuition towards the end of last year, and it's not something that I would have ever said, okay, I'm going to write this book then to be in this experience of being in a treehouse during lockdown, I ended up being there for 11 weeks. And it was because I was wanting to be somewhere close to my parents in case they needed any support. But I also knew I needed to be in my own space where I could really feel, especially because uh, the the pandemic had just really like got going. And it was it was the week that like everything was was really like ah and everything was stopping and everything was being cancelled and i knew that the only way that i could do this project service would be to to find a way not to block out the noise but to just quieten it and and be able to really listen and it happened to also be navaratri the spring navaratri which is the hindu festival of the goddess where we celebrate the goddess and the battles that the goddess is able to fight. And it was also, I spent a lot of time in Bali and it was the the, the Balinese celebration, Nyepi, which is a day of complete silence where nobody speaks. And it, it's it's kind of said to be like when the, when the evil spirits are coming over the island, because everyone's being quiet, they go because <laughs> they don't, they, there's no one there making a noise. And so it felt really strong to me that I needed to go and be in silence during that time and to really rather than getting pulled by the panic and um, the fear and the unknown to to use it as an opportunity to reach anchor deep into the roots and 
into that knowing that exists inside of each of us. And what was really powerful was that as I was writing this book, of course, it, it's it's what I know. It's actually what I feel we all know, especially those that identify as women, because it's such an innate part of who we are as humans. And it's something that's been conditioned out of us over a long period of history. And yeah, we've become afraid of this power, or even, oh, worse than afraid. We doubt it, we ridicule it, we make jokes about it. And that's to me like, it's just so painful that that's the world that we live in. But the deepest wisdom that lies in each of our bodies is something that we dismiss as weird or woo-woo or strange. And we make jokes about it so that people don't judge us for it. Or we just flat out deny it and don't listen. And I really feel that the more that we're tapped into our intuition, the more that we are capable of weaving a more beautiful future for humanity, not just for our own lives. It's not like, oh, I'll use my intuition and I'll get the nice car and the perfect husband and like all of that. It's like, I'll use my intuition and it will guide me towards to weaving my thread in this greater tapestry of our future. And so I was in the treehouse for 11 weeks and and then I, I went to my parents and, and my father died within three weeks and the book went to print two weeks after his death in the days that he was dying and, and right afterwards, the deadlines were pretty intense. It was like, oh, this whole section is going to be Americanized on like in 24 hours. Can you just check that this is the last chance to change anything and all of that. So it felt like this, it was a very, very much an, an initiatory process. And it felt that it, it just invited me to like really dig deep into what I know. And in a way, the kind of pressure cookerness of it, it meant that there wasn't a lot of time to doubt myself or to check things or to cross reference or to ask anyone if they, what they thought. It just meant I had to trust what came out and that in itself is a powerful initiation around intuition. It certainly is. And what this makes me think about is when you mention people doubting it or dismissing it or making it sound woo-woo, there is a certain aspect of it where people think of it as it's just this like magic thing you just know. And so my question is, for people who hear what you're saying, are interested in what you're saying, but feel like that's not accessible. Like, what is that thing you're talking about, that inner knowing? How have you in your life cultivated that? So for me, it's been a very wild (laughs) journey, that's for sure. And and definitely one that perhaps does feel kind of supernatural and, and magical. It was definitely quite strong. But before I share about that, I want to share that Intuition is a part of our intelligence. It's not like something outside of us that's magical. Like we are magnificent human beings. We each are, and we have all of this like dimensionality to us. And we have been so trained to live through our mind. and, and, And it's really just this one part of our brain to think things through and to reason and to rationale them and to it can only be validated if it's been written in this book or this person said it, or it's in this magazine. Like that's how we've been entrained. It's not how we work. 
there's this huge intelligence that's part of us. It's quicker. It understands more. It picks up more signals. It guides us in more ways than our mind, than what we consciously go, oh yeah, I know that, can do. And, and we all have it and we all use it. And there is this, this one aspect of our intuition that's survival-based. Everyone's tapped into that. And that's that one is a bit easier to understand because it can kind of be externally validated. Like most of our society does run off that. Like people have training, doctors, firemen, but they don't have time to then do an analysis and like pull up a spreadsheet and work out what to do and to run all the scenarios through. They make very snap snap decisions. And we've all had moments in our own life where you know, we've just walked into our child's bedroom just as something was about to fall on them. And we're like, oh, we've just like been able to scoop them up, you know? And and this happens with kids like all the time. And and what took you there at that moment? It's your intuition. Or you phone a friend just at that moment that they really like needed someone. Um, or you pop around. Or when we don't think about it, we use our intuition all the time. And I think when it gets more complicated is when we are wanting to to get that guidance for our own lives and because we haven't been trained very well to to use our own intuition and to trust our own guidance you know then people can end up going to psychics or fortune tellers or like they're all like great tools but they're still outside of you so they still disconnect you as much as they open up doors to your intuition and so for me I was definitely a very intuitive child, like very sensitive child, like creative child. And I had like very dark teenage years <laughs> that were really difficult. And part of it was, I, I understand now because I kept being told like, no, you're too sensitive. You need to change. You need to be more like this. You, and I felt disconnected from myself. I didn't really understand like how to function properly. And I think that that's why I had very like wild teen years with like a lot of drinking and drugs and partying because I was just trying to like find like a place that made sense. And I guess that the one thing that I found, you know, I grew up in England and in England, people don't talk about their feelings very much unless they've drank six pints of beer. And so I also gravitated towards those places because that's where people were being more open and being more real. And I could connect better to that. But of course, that came with its own pain. And I had a series of near-death experiences. When I was 19, I, I went down the side of a mountain in Bolivia in a bus crash. And we went 50 meters down the side of a mountain and um, stuck on a tree stump. Like, And the bus turned and then there was a drop afterwards. And somehow we all survived. I was in hospital for a little while afterwards, but it was nothing major. And that happened at 19. And that was like, okay, wait, <laughs> like, what's going on here? And like, what? what do I want my life to be about? And then when I was 21, I got driven over by a four wheel drive pickup truck. And when I say driven over, I mean like, you know, normally when someone says I got run over, they just mean I got hit by a car. But in this scenario, I got hit by a truck. And then he was so actually drunk and, and I think probably high and he, he didn't realize and so he carried on driving and I had one wheel go over my hair and then the other wheel go over my thighs. 
And and so I was so lucky because if you can imagine, I was a little bit that way or a little bit that way. It would have gone over my head or my organs and I probably wouldn't have survived that. But the wheel went over my thighs and then the back wheel got like stuck on my on my thighs. So that was a really powerful experience where I really had to do a lot of healing physically from it. I had to understand like how that had happened and how I had survived and actually I had to I had to go a lot deeper in order to to get the healing so I found that when I went to the hospital the the physio or whatever it it didn't it wasn't getting rid of the pain and and it was when I went to a cranial sacral and an energy healer and then she was like able to to see things and show me things and then I was like okay this this is helping and then when I was 24 I was actually in New York and one of my close friends I was staying with, she got um, hit and killed in a hit and run in front of me. So in those early years of being an adult, I was put into these very deep experiences that were very unlike anyone, no one I knew could relate to any of those experiences, let alone all three of them. I had to really like go deep and, and explore healing and death and what's more than what we can just see in this reality because what we could just see in this reality no longer made sense to me and it wasn't until a little bit later that I had a moment which where it just was very clear to me that I had to put that aspect of myself which you can call spiritual but it's also just that aspect of myself that isn't just like, hello, I'm Amisha, I'm this age, I do this, I live here, I'm, I like to do this at the weekends, you know, like the, the part of me that there was so much more of that I didn't understand fully, but that was so real and the part of me that felt connected to everything on, on a bigger level and the part of me that understood that there was a path and, and a life that was unfolding that was nothing like what I was told life was going to be. I was working in politics when I got run over. I, I just interned in the US Congress and that was 2004. I'd been volunteering on the Kerry campaign, which didn't go well so well, depending on where you're, <laughs> you're placed. And then I, I'd gone after the truck, I was working in the House of Parliament in the UK in Westminster. And I thought that was my trajectory. Like, I'm going to work in politics and I'm going to do this and I'm going to make the world better in this way. I'm going to wear this uniform. Like, this is what life is. I'll get married at this age. I'll do this. I'll do that. And, and then life just kept happening to me in these ways that were saying, that's not what you're going to do. <laughs> that's not what your life's about. That's not what you're here for. And eventually there came a point where I got really sick, just with mono, but I was in my late 20s. You don't get mono, glandular fever normally at that age. And it really floored me. And I was working for what's now the future is beautiful it was called think act vote and we just published our book and I, I was doing a TEDx talk and I was lying on the floor because I had no energy in my body before I went on stage the people running the event were so worried I was going to ruin the whole event because they they were just like they, they got me to do a rehearsal the night before and I was like oh, I really need to just go to bed and they were like we need to see your talk and I was like okay and then they said to me please can you do it with a bit of feelings tomorrow <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I will, I will. And so they were really panicked. Anyway, I got up off the floor. I was just conserving energy. I got up off the floor, did this talk. I think I flew to New York or to Rio straight afterwards to do like more talks. And then I was just like, what am I doing? 
and this moment of I'm sort of like half listening to myself and half completely ignoring myself and that's not going to work and so I made a decision that this is what needs to be central to my life this deep listening and that's the listening to myself but also the listening in order to find my place in the world and and to orient my work in a way that's not about like proving anything or meeting milestones in the conventions of which I'd been taught, but that actually was what does the world need? And so allowing that vision to be connected to my own intuition and, and, and also my own sense of worth. I didn't have to prove anything. I just, I'm here. I just am. Right. And this is, this is what I'll do. And so when that happened, a whole load of teachers appeared. There was one teacher in particular that I was, that I was spending a lot of time with and missed it. And, you know, we would just have these very like casual chats, but they were full of transmission. And one day we were talking and I was asking him questions. And then he just said, you know, Amisha, like everything you're asking me, you know, you can do. Like, why are you asking me? Like, you actually need to step up because you're here to be able to serve and hold space for others. But you're asking me, you're taking up space, like, you know, instead of the other way around. And it's like, how long do you want to do this for? And, and we went through this process and part of it involved literally talking to trees like he, he told me to go and find this particular tree and this tree would give me this information that I needed in order to work with people I had done my Reiki master years before back when I thought I wasn't spiritual um, when I was like studying politics and my undergrad I was like going off to India and doing Reiki masters but I hadn't connected the things together and then I started to work with people like I, I realized that I through this particular mystic and, and various other teachers that I had a way that I could see into people's subconscious. I could see what where the trauma patterns were and I could clear that and, and open up um, the gifts that we all have dormant inside. And so, yeah, that's part of my journey. And there's been like a lot of twists and turns along the way. And I feel like the main points from it are the bits that I think are universal, which are breaking down of like that which we think is reality like that conditioned sense of of what the world is and of who we are and to be able to be open to 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 the information that's there it's it's all there and then the next part which i feel is to do with the the systems of oppression in which this world has been created from all of the colonizing to and all of the witch hunts that those cultures that have centered intuition because it's such a central part of who we are because of the way that they've been treated in in history over the last like three five hundred years it, it has meant that we're all scared of that part of ourselves when it's just so natural thank you amisha for sharing your beautiful story with us and so much wisdom with your story. So what is your process and how are you making choices and decisions in your life? And how do you actively tune in to your inner knowing to guide your tomorrow, your next week, your next year? My life has been really dramatic. And I 
I wouldn't advise that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that's something to aspire to. And I wonder if as a teenager, I'd had different role models around me. I grew up, you know, immigrant family. We didn't have any family around. Like if I'd had that auntie that was like, oh, I understand this. Let me show you what this is. I might not have had to go down all that destruction and have those big wake up calls. And I feel like if you're getting those big wake up calls, you've already missed those. There were little, there were little knocks that you missed along the way. And, and when I made that decision that this has to be the center of my life, it was because I was like, I don't want these big whips anymore. I want my growth and evolution to be more gentle. I work with people in my leadership mentoring program and it's not like, okay, now like you need to end that relationship and, and stop that job and go and do something else. It's more like, well, where can you bring more of who you are into what, where you are? And that's often the invitation, like bring more like to where you are. And so for me now, I would be lying if I said that I always knew <laughs> where I want to go, what I want to do, every decision, and it was completely smooth. I definitely have still those panics of like I don't know what to do about this and far less than than I had years ago and far less than I had a year ago before I sat and wrote this book and really just allowed that wisdom to seep into my body into my cells for me a lot happens through talking and so I find that if I want to know where I'm really at with something, that there are particular friends that I can call and talk it through with, and I will answer it myself. It's not like they will tell me, but they'll hold space for me that will allow me to say the thing, and then I'll be like, oh, okay, that's it. And I feel that also I'm okay with the uncertainty and the not knowing, and and so often if there's something that I'm going to do, like I was on my way back to Bali in March, and my dad was saying, have you booked your flight? Have you booked your flight? And I was like, it doesn't feel right yet. And you know, I decided not to go. And then the information was changing and it just didn't feel right. And he was actually getting annoyed with me for being indecisive. And I'm like, I'm being indecisive. <laughs> You're about to die, but we don't know that yet. <laughs> I don't want to stay here. And so it's like, I was waiting for that clear sensation in my body that says yes. And, and actually... The, the way that I ended up in the treehouse was that I was feeling into, okay, well, what was I going to get from Bali? I was going to get this like clear space. I was going to be in nature. I was going to be in community. I was going to be in a place where I'm connected to myself. I kind of asked the question, like for me, a lot of, a lot of the inviting of my intuition is knowing to, how to ask myself good questions. And so whether I ask a question before I go to sleep or, you know, if you journal with a question, but for me, that question was, how can I support my family and write this book and, and give myself what I need? And so I took that question into the shower. And then when I was in the shower, I remembered about this retreat center. And it was a retreat center that I had facilitated some yoga retreats at before. So I knew the family that ran it. And I figured, oh, it's locked down, so it's going to be empty. And so then I came out of the shower and I called them and I was like, hey, like you guys are two hours away from my parents. Is there an empty treehouse? Can I come? And so that answer came because I had a good question. And then I went into the shower. And, and so I find that 
baths, showers, going for a, a cold swim in a lake, that, that water can be really helpful for, for clarity around things. I often will ask a question before I go to sleep. So that's one of the ways. And then I also have, in the book, there's 53 practices. Some of them are very basic things like meditation, yoga, the, the kind of things that strengthen your relationship with yourself and help you to get into that, that deeper relationship. And then it's like the knowing is more easy because you're releasing a lot of those shoulds that, well, they think I should do this and they think I should do that and society thinks I should do that and God thought I should do that. And like, it just kind of gets like really, really chaotic. But one of the practices that I really love that's in the book is that you kind of use like a visioning process. So say you're, you're deciding between two options and you really allow yourself to feel and you take yourself into that scenario and you have to become attuned to energy, to, to subtle energy and to your subtle body, which is why yoga and meditation and all of these things really help. And then you can feel like, how does that scenario feel? And then you'll do the next scenario and you'll feel it. And then you pick the one that's the lighter and the most expansive. And sometimes it's surprising. Sometimes the one that your mind is like, yeah, definitely that. And then you feel it and you're like, oh, that feels like there's this knot in my stomach and it feels a bit clampy and like my right knee's tinging and like, you know, and then you might, another one that, you, that maybe you thought, oh, that's not, that's not the right option for me. That's a really powerful practice that I recommend sharing. I, I love those two beautiful practices. They're they're ones I use, but I love the way you describe them. I'd love to ask you, how do you receive messages? Are they a voice, an inner knowing that comes to the surface, a vision? Can you describe with more specificity how things come to you? Yeah, I can. And I feel like when we hear how they come to other people, it's just to open up doorways. We're all so different. I'm very like audio visual. So I, I hear a lot in like kind of crystal clarity. It's different to a thought. There's a certain tone to it where I know it's coming from that deeper place and it's not just like my mind. I also have very prophetic dreams. Not all my dreams are like that, but dreams will often show me. So for example, I, we didn't know that my dad was dying. And exactly one week before he died, I had a dream that showed me that he was dying. And then I was like, okay, like this is what's happening. And now we just turn to this. And it, it stepped me into being like a death doula rather than like holding on. I also get a lot of visions. Like when I'm meditating, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm pretty visual. So I can, I can see things. It, they're very it's very subtle like still so even though I'm saying those things and that could sound very loud but they're they are subtle so you have to train yourself to be able to read it's like a language it's like watching a kid has to learn how to like read a book right and we have to learn to read these signs and signals because we we're not taught people's intuition comes through in, in all kinds of mysterious and wonderful ways I have a friend who for her objects just fly out at her I don't have that but like she'll be asking a question and a book will literally just kind of like fall off a shelf in front of her and it will like the title will answer her question that's never happened for me thank you for sharing that 
again, to sort of bring it back to what I think people might be thinking is, I don't have any of those gifts. Those are for other people. Those are for special people. And so your intuition, your connection to yourself could lead you to being creating a business or could lead you to being a mother. Or it doesn't have to lead you to what people think of as a spiritual path or a healing path. It might. That might be your path. But there is healing, spirituality, and deep intuition possible in any type of path in your life if it's right for you. So what do you recommend to people who didn't have dramatic events but are seeking for change and inspiration in their ordinary lives? Yeah. It's this aspect of what you should be doing. Like, how can you get more on a path that is unique for you, that is the right path for you? And it was for me to be like a healer and to be writing books about intuition. This is not what I wanted to do. I can't even tell you how I like, I have never fantasized about this life. <laughs> like, I wanted to be a politician. <laughs> You know, like this is not what I wanted. And that's why it was so dramatic because I was trying to force myself into something that wasn't where I was meant, it was right for me to go. And so it was more dramatic. And I understand that now as I can as see the pieces. But, but we all have these little markers that show us like where our longings are and the parts of us that are yearning to be heard. And these can be such small and subtle shifts. They can be the kind of shifts that no one from the outside would even know you've made, but it will change your relationship with your own life. A lot of this is letting go of the shoulds, understanding our conditioning, understanding the ways in which we have made our decisions for other people or for a notion of what we imagined was expected of us. And we might still want those same things, but it's like changing the, the relationship with them. For me, yoga and meditation have been immense tools and gifts in not only the practices and the way that they've allowed me to know myself and to heal aspects of myself, but also in the community that they've brought. And that community has allowed me to feel more connected to, to who I am and so I think it's really nice to be around people that are asking similar questions and and making similar explorations and so any of these ways that connect you deeper to yourself are a great place to start yeah so a couple more questions how can we destigmatize intuition I feel it's happening yeah. even the fact that you know, I've written this book for DK Books. They're a mainstream publisher. They're part of Penguin Random House. They make int- information books. So they, they make books about like wine and tractors and things that you like know about. And they decided that they wanted to have a book on intuition. And for me, that's a real signal that like intuition is m- moving into the mainstream, that it's something that's going to be honored and respected and valued more and more more and more people are talking about that and and more and more men are talking about it which is really helpful because it just so is 
in this world that when white men start to talk about it, it makes it easier for everyone else. And so that shift is happening. And, you know, we also can use our intuition about when and where to explain our processes, right? And unfortunately, that's not a choice for me anymore because I'm now the author of a book called Intuition. So I've had to fully come out of all closets, which I'm enjoying. But you don't have to tell everyone your processes and your practices. But I I feel like understanding it as intelligence. And it's like, why would we only use such a tiny aspect of our intelligence? Like, that's not intelligent. And so for me, explaining it as part of our intelligence rather than explaining it as magic is definitely a way to destigmatize it. I want to thank you, Amisha, for being with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Vanessa. It's felt like five minutes. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we welcome you to stay close and discover more of our offerings. Check us out on Instagram at Nushu or visit Nushu.com for more.